Hello again. Welcome in to another episode of The Lion's Edge. I am your host, Chase Kitty, here on the BetMGM content team. This is the first NFL betting episode of the season. The futures episodes are done. The interviews are done. We are ready to get into week one action. You guys know the drill. Uh, went over to this a little bit on Wednesday's episode. The recap is for the remainder of the football season. The schedule is Wednesday, you'll get your college football picks episode. Thursday, you'll get your NFL picks episode. I will also, here at the top of the Thursday episodes, give you a little bit of color on what's going on with Thursday night football. So make sure you stop by and catch the episode early once it drops because you're going to have some actionable stuff here for the Thursday night episodes. That's at least how it's designed. That's what you guys have asked for. That's what I'm giving to you. Thursday night football, week one, 2023, is of course Lions at Chiefs. So when this number opened months ago, it was Chiefs minus seven. We've seen Chiefs six and a half for most of the summer. And then Tuesday, we all found out that Travis Kelsey hyperextended his leg in practice and he may miss the game. The number went into free fall. It's now Kansas City minus four and a half with the money line at plus 180 for an outright Lions win. As of Wednesday night around 8 p.m. at BetMGM, 58% of the bets and 50% of the money were on Kansas City. So a total 50-50 split in terms of handle. Sharps like Detroit. Why? We'll get into that in just a second. I already kind of like Detroit plus six and a half and the over to begin with, even before all this stuff happened with Travis Kelsey midweek. We know Ben Johnson's offense is going to score. We know the back door is going to be open. So that's kind of why I tended toward that direction. Six points with a great offense in week one, pretty big deal. So when I started seeing the numbers slipping, I immediately grabbed Detroit plus six. That's where I'm at. That's what my position is. That said, if you're looking at the full totality of the line movement, Travis Kelsey is not worth two full points, right? Six and a half to four and a half. That is an overreaction from the market. That is the gold rush to go buy a Lions ticket. I think there is an argument here to buy back on the Chiefs because of that overcorrection. When the line has moved against Patrick Mahomes by two or more points, the Chiefs are 7-3 and three against the spread on the back of that line movement. So this is something that happens every once in a while, maybe once or twice a season since Mahomes has become the guy in Kansas City. Something happens and you know, everybody goes, oh, looks like the Chiefs actually might take a rare loss this weekend. Everybody runs to bet against them. Doesn't work out. It's an overcorrection in the Chiefs cover. Uh, that is an interesting way to play this game and to be able to go get the Chiefs at four and a half instead of six and a half or seven is pretty good value relative to where the market opened several months back. I think the biggest factor here, though, has nothing to do with Travis Kelsey. I think the biggest factor is actually Chris Jones, who has been holding out all summer and racked up more than $2 million in fines by not participating in mandatory team activities. As far as we know, the holdout is going to stretch into Thursday night's game, which will leave the Chiefs without their best defensive player if they're down both Jones and Kelsey there actually is a pretty good case to make for Lions money line the wide receiver room is not that good and the Chiefs defense is going to struggle to pressure Jared Goff and the Lions offense who we know is already difficult to stop to begin with especially because of the fourth down stuff so 
that's kind of how I weigh all of that together. I think my final thought here, if this is too much for you to parse, too much to figure out, just let it go. Just lay out. Watch the game and enjoy it. Don't bet on it. There are 16 games this week. This is your annual reminder that you do not need to be involved with every single game. I have about three official plays a week. I don't go beyond that. I mean, maybe a money line parlay, some props, but like, I'm not launching half a dozen or a dozen straight bets every week. That's unnecessary. You're not setting yourself up for success. If you're betting half the market, you're kind of asking to get wiped out. If you don't already have a position in this Chiefs game, or you don't feel strongly about something now as the market is late week, maybe just lay out and consider these other bets for Sunday. Official bet number one for the weekend, Browns money line plus 115. Cleveland is going to have a top 10 offensive line and a top 10 defensive line this season. The Bengals still don't have a great offensive line, trite as that storyline is, and we have no idea how Joe Burrow is actually going to feel when he goes to plant that calf. The Browns can run the ball right at Cincinnati. They can play ball control. They can work the play action. This game is so, so public with more than 70% of bets laying the small number with the Bengals. But Cincinnati started 0-2 last year before really getting it going, and Burrow's lack of playtime in the preseason does matter a little bit in terms of finding immediate success with his offense. This spot reeks of an outright Browns win. So I'm not bothering with the two and a half points. Give me Cleveland money line. Bet number two is Steelers money line plus 110. How many times do we need to see Pittsburgh beat a superior team in week one before we all can get this right? Last year, it was the ridiculous game against the Bengals. Two years ago, it was the Bills, I think. Both games, I believe, were on the road, if I'm remembering right. This one will be wild with a home crowd in Pittsburgh. Brock Purdy is no longer a cute story. He's the guy in San Francisco. Trey Lance has been traded away, and Purdy will have all the requisite pressure on him that comes with that. Nick Bosa said Wednesday he'd return to the team with a new deal in hand, but you don't suddenly get ready for week one on 72 hours notice. I expect him to play, but he's not going to be full-blown Nick Bosa here, which is good news for Kenny Pickett and the Steelers' meh offensive line. The biggest reason I like this bet is Mike Tomlin and the defensive staff, who clearly spend big time in the offseason deep-diving their Week 1 opponent's offenses and creating a custom game plan to counter it. I have talked to film guys. That is their assessment of why Pittsburgh is so good in these Week 1 games. If they can limit Burrow and Josh Allen, I'm betting they can cause some issues for Brock Purdy. Steelers win outright. Option number three, going to play a favorite here, and there's a few options, but I'm going to roll with Atlanta 3.5 against Carolina. Regular listeners know I own a ton of Atlanta stock here, so what's one more log on the pyre? Carolina has its work cut out for them in building an offense, whereas Atlanta knows exactly what it wants to do with Arthur Smith. This is the case of a team with a clear identity playing at home against a team that doesn't yet know what it is with a rookie quarterback. Obviously, I'd rather have this number at three instead of three and a half, but I do think Atlanta is a relatively safe play to cover this number in division for all the reasons I fully outlined in the 20 NFL Futures episode a couple of weeks ago. And if you missed that, there's still time to go back and listen to it when you're done with this one and launch a few Futures bets. 
Now, if you don't like Atlanta three and a half, if you'd prefer something else, full transparency, I had like five different bets that could have been this third official bet. I landed on Atlanta because it's a team I feel like I know what it is. But if you're not really interested in the Falcons thing, or, or maybe you've already followed me on a Falcons future and you want to go somewhere else with your money this weekend, here are a couple other leans and bets to consider that I'm going to mention. First one, Dallas minus three at New York. This was three and a half for the first half of the week, and it's still three and a half in a lot of places. But BetMGM actually moved it to Dallas minus three Wednesday evening, and that is great news if you're with me on the Cowboys side of this. Jump over and grab a minus three before it disappears, which I expect it will before the weekend. It'll go back to three and a half. Dallas has won four straight against the Giants and six of the last eight, all of which would have covered either the three or the three and a half, frankly. The Giants are arguably the biggest regression candidate of the entire league this year, and I expect them to struggle against this Cowboys defense yet again. Brandon Cooks is going to be a real player for this Dallas offense. He's good pretty much everywhere he goes, and oftentimes where he goes these days is crappy offenses. So being in an above-average Dallas offense, it's not elite, it's not great, but it is good, should be pretty good for him. I've got him in fantasy. I'm expecting big things from him. It's going to give the offense a nice pop, and Tony Pollard will continue to pace that ground game without costing the team tens of millions of dollars. That's money that Dallas can put to better uses at other places on the field. Enjoy Boston, Zeke. Denver, minus three and a half. Not a lot of science here. I just think the Broncos are going to compete for a playoff spot, and I think the Raiders might end up being one of the more pathetic teams in the NFL this year. This is an affordable number to play with a team where I just don't think the rosters or the coaching staffs are comparable. Eagles-Patriots under 45. I know, you know, we all know that the Eagles defense has a big edge over this Patriots offense. I think in week one in New England, there's also a decent chance that the Patriots' very good defense could win a lot of matchup against the Eagles' offense. Maybe mix in some Super Bowl hangover here. This, to me, I think is going to be not just a low-scoring game, but a way more low-scoring game than a lot of people are expecting. I love this under. I might even hit an alt total, like an under 41 or something, before Sunday. Let's get a little weird with these last two. Indianapolis plus five against Jacksonville. I've talked a lot over the years about the weird dynamics when the Colts go to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. Here we're getting almost the exact opposite. The Jaguars are the team that's good, and they're having to go on the road to Indianapolis, and the Colts are the team that's lousy. Uh, there's not necessarily some fluky trend over there. It's not like when the Jags go to the Midwest, they find a Lake Michigan Bermuda Triangle or something. But there is a lot of hype on the Jags over the last year, especially because of how they finished the latter half of the season in 2022 and then the playoff comeback win over the Chargers. They are inflated, both in the macro sense and this week, as the number has moved toward Jacksonville significantly. Yet Doug Peterson and Jacksonville have zero idea what to expect from Anthony Richardson. None. Total black box. They'd have to go back and watch Florida tape and then extrapolate from there historically what we've often seen from rookie quarterbacks in the NFL like this is a four to six week burst right out of the gate where they're really effective because no one knows their tendencies yet. And then defensive coordinators start to get a film on them. They scheme them up. 
and the midseason regression starts to kick in. Here, Indy is getting five points at home, and we know their defensive front is likely going to do a pretty good job at containing Jacksonville at the point of attack. I'm not saying the Colts necessarily win. I do think this is a game that isn't necessarily a massive blowout like some think it might be. Then again, it is a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach, so that's why this is a lean and not a definite bet. It could be 28-24. It could be 45-3. Who knows? But let me put it this way. Every sharp better I know likes Indy. Nobody likes Jacksonville. Lastly, I think I've even said this on the podcast in a previous episode. I bet Arizona plus the six in the summer for about half a unit when I thought it was going to be Colt McCoy in week one. So that bet's probably dead since I'm now stuck with Josh Dobbs and on the wrong side of the line movement. But let me say this. Arizona seems like a pretty sharp side here, at least just kind of the surface-level optics. Washington is playing Sam Howell, who has exactly zero career starts. Landover, home field advantage, virtually non-existent. The roster is pretty average. They've got some nice playmakers. Obviously, we know the situation with the wide receivers are actually pretty good. If only somebody could get them the ball. But on the whole, this is not a roster you're freaking out about. And yet, despite all that, they are the number one biggest public favorite of the week. And they're not, they're not just supposed to cover as a favorite. They're supposed to cover a full touchdown in week one, and they're not a good team. Seems dicey to me. Are they built to cover this? I did BetMGM tonight with my friend Nick Ashu and, and Ryan and Trista on Tuesday, and I knew Nick was kind of going to call me on this and, and, and make me defend my position. You know, One of the things I asked him was, do you even know the last time, Nick, who's a Washington fan, do you know the last time Washington was a seven-point favorite in an NFL game? It's been six years. It's 2017. So we are reacting to the Arizona side of this. We are not even considering the Washington minus seven side of this. It seems a little dicey. I understand if you don't want the action, but I actually think Arizona is a decent play here at plus seven, especially if you wait until Sunday and you get an even better number. It feels like the market may continue to move toward Washington. Obviously, I've got no problem with you laying out here just opting for better spots, but I, I think there's a case to make for Arizona plus the points. And again, this is one of those games... I talk to betters throughout the week who are good at this, who are advantage betters. I kind of pick their brain. I ask them how they're feeling off the record. I heard some Arizonas this week. I didn't hear any Washingtons this week. So I don't know, take that for what it's worth. All right, so those are the plays. I'm going to end these Thursday episodes uh, by talking about Survivor. As you may know, if you listen to the podcast, I am in the $8 million Survivor contest at a certain Las Vegas casino and sports book. No free ads, but you can probably figure it out if you want to. For week one, I am playing in Survivor, the Baltimore Ravens. I know some people are like, oh, you can't share that. You know what? I do a podcast for you guys. Some of you guys are in Survivor pools with your friends or your family or maybe some other ones that I'm going to talk about here in a second. So if you're looking for a Survivor, a little bit of analysis, a little bit of insight, I will share my real plays in Survivor with you guys here every week. Just another reason to listen to Lion's Edge. I'm playing the Ravens in week one. Quite the history of players flaming out in week one by getting a little too cute with picks like Washington. 
bad teams who are theoretically playing a favorable matchup. I didn't want to get cute. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be a week one victim. So I am using real capital like Baltimore for week one. And yes, that's going to burn what is probably a good team this year, but it will also move me to week two. I think last year, something like 20 or 30% of all players were out after week one. That's crazy to me. So let's protect. Let's just get to week two and let's figure it out from there where we'll have actual data points to respond to and we can start to evolve the process as we go through the season. That's kind of my thought process. Ironically, I do kind of like Texans plus 10. Uh, the more the the longer I get into the week, the more I kind of like a Texans plus 10 bet. Baltimore's implementing a new offense. Maybe it takes some time to really kick that into gear. They don't have any tape on C.J. Stroud. It's just, you know, I, I think there's too much institutional momentum for Baltimore for them to lose outright. But plus 10 in week one, kind of like that for Houston. Last thing here on Survivor. I mentioned the Survivor stuff partly because I... I know people want to follow my arc in the contest and, and how things are going for me personally. I'm also mentioning it because BetMGM is doing something really cool. If you have a BetMGM account, which I'm hoping all of you do listening to this podcast, you can head over there and sign up for a new Survivor contest that the book is hosting this year. Now listen to me here. It is absolutely 100% totally and completely free to play and the prize this is not you know this is a free to play game but there are prizes real cash prizes the prize here is a hundred thousand dollars again totally free to play it will not cost you one dollar it will not cost you one cent all you have to do is be registered at betmgm so head over there log into your account register for survivor Good luck at the hundred grand. That's all it is. A uh, really cool opportunity that I was so happy to see that the marketing department was was getting into. Uh, so I, I'm I can't speak enough how excited I am that they're doing this. I think it's really really cool. Uh, you know, not everybody has the chance or the free time or the opportunity or the money to fly out to Vegas and drop a thousand dollars to enter a contest like I did. So I think this is a really cool, accessible opportunity for people that don't have the time to go to Vegas and, and get into the real thing. So very cool opportunity. I hope you guys will go check it out. Just like I said, log in, enter Survivor, keep up with your pick once a week, and uh, good luck at the shot at the 100 grand. If you need some help or you just want some more info, I will leave a link in the show notes here like I do every week that'll take you to a blog page that'll tell you everything you need to know about the Survivor contest. Uh, So just look for that in the show notes. And like I said, good luck in the contest. 100 grand's going to somebody. Could be you. That's it. That's it for the NFL episode for week one. College football week two now in the books. NFL week one in the books. Good luck with your bets. Good luck in Survivor. Until next time, take it easy.